Hey guys, and welcome back to the FFP. My name is Christian, and today we're going to be talking about some must-own fantasy wide receivers heading into the 2019 season. And for those of you guys who haven't seen it, you should definitely make sure to check out my must-own running backs video as well. I think, again, they're must-own. It's important list to look at, and these are some studs that you really can trust. I'll be putting some uh, some timestamps, I guess, down in the comments and in the description for you guys to see which players we're going to talk about and when we're going to talk about them. One, it's just nice to see, but also because I think we should talk a little bit of uh, philosophy real quick. Um, and the reason for that being must-own wide receivers for me is just a little bit of a oxymoron I guess and that's because I think they're a must-own running back say Christian McCaffrey is of course a must-own running back and I'm going to take him with the first overall pick um, but when it comes to the wide receivers they're very well very well may be a must-own wide receiver who you don't end up taking for example if you're in the first round and Christian McCaffrey is out there I don't care that DeAndre Hopkins is out there you take Christian McCaffrey right so there's of course a little bit of uh, just being smart right having a little bit more foreknowledge not just saying this is a great player but hey there are lots of great players which is the greatest player to take um again so context is key i just want to clarify that for a few people um i love wide receivers uh, but i think there will always be some mid-round and late round talent and some sleeping wide receivers the running back position isn't that way so much uh, so i do want to kind of just get that out of the way real quick for everybody um you guys who watch us here at the FFP, you know we say this every video. Sorry for, I guess, so to speak, beating a dead horse and saying the same thing over and over and over again. But I think philosophy is key. You can have all the stats and knowledge in the world, but if you don't execute on philosophy, you're going to struggle. And ultimately sticking to, to principles and ideals and overarching numbers, not just stats on individual players, but when we begin to really examine positional stats and which positions we need to emphasize and blah, 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 whatever – um, and that's really is going to be what takes you from a good fantasy owner to a great fantasy owner. I'm going to tell you right now, um, if you're playing fantasy and you don't want to be the best fantasy owner, then why are you playing? I'm a very competitive guy, and that's why I do it. But um, I'll quit wasting your guys' time. Now, let's get into the first guy. You know, I definitely think we have to start this video with Michael Thomas. Well, Michael Thomas is an obvious pick. He is the definition of a must-own wide receiver. I mean, it's pretty cut and clear. He was the number one fantasy wide receiver last year, and I very well predict him to do it again. Um, but that's not just off of being lazy. I'm a guy who loves to challenge the status quo, and every time a guy finishes number one or near the top, uh, the question for me is, can he repeat it? I love to be that guy who says he's not going to repeat it because – um, maybe there's just something, uh, you know, on my dark side. I just love to challenge people and kind of push the status quo, so to speak. But uh, for me, that's not the case with Michael Thomas. There's no reason to doubt him. We're going to dig, dig into some stats on that. But ultimately, there is just good news after good news after good news. And I'm just going to come out and say he is probably the best receiver in the NFL. I, I can't guarantee it because I... You know, I don't know everything, but wow, I don't think you could argue anyone else being better than him. And then, of course, he benefits from a fantastic situation. You, I mean, he's probably the most talented receiver in the NFL. And then you give him a Hall of Fame quarterback and a great coach, an offensive-minded coach in Sean Payton. And ultimately, that is a awesome situation to be in. Uh, but again, Michael Thomas, phenomenal. Let's dig into some of the stats, though, right? Because I'm a stat guy. I love to look at it. You know he was great last year, but just how great was he? Um, let's look at it. So 
He averaged 107.8 receiving yards a game. That is pretty crazy. Most of you guys in fantasy leagues, you're going to get a bonus if he goes over 100 yards. So for a lot of you guys, you are getting a lot of bonuses out of this guy who it felt like last year was topping 100 yards like every other game. But uh, he also, of course, you guys already know this, he set the record 149 catches in a year. That's crazy. But what's even crazier about that is that he led all wide receivers with an 82.8% uh, .8 catch percentage. And that's what's really crazy. That's 4.1% higher than the number two wide receiver in that category. And what makes that so ridiculous is as you begin to get more volume, as you begin to move up and to be the DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas receivers of the NFL, as you get to that elite level of performance, what happens is defenses pay more and more and more attention to you. You face the number one cornerback. You get shaded by the number one safety. You get linebackers leaning your side, waiting to... You essentially watch the quarterback throw your way. You get a lot of attention from defenses and defensive coordinators, and they are scheming around you when you're as good as Michael Thomas is. And it didn't matter. For most guys in the NFL, that hurts their efficiency. They have great fantasy numbers, but of course their production drops a little bit as far as catch percentage or maybe passer rating generator, some of those things where you're still producing great numbers, but it's hard to be that effective time and time and time and time and time again. Eventually, the defense has got to catch up to you and make a play, right? It didn't really seem that way for Michael Thomas. Again, 82.8% catch percentage. That, for me, really jumped off the page. Another thing was his 1,725 receiving yards, seventh on the all-time receiving yardage list. Um, and also, as far as 2019 receivers goes, he was the had the most receiving yards by almost 400 yards. The second best guy was Julio Jones. It's crazy. Julio Jones is a phenomenal wide receiver. He's on a great pace, very well could be a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame wide receiver. Uh, and he just crushed it. 400 yards, basically, was the distance between him and the next best guy. That's crazy. And again, the stats continue. What I love about wide receivers, he is not just good because he's a. we know he's got great hands. He can catch the ball. He's a great runner, route runner. He gets open. He's fast. He can do all these things. But you know what's a real trend in the NFL, and this is something to pay attention to, is the yards after the catch. Wide receivers who don't just make the catch but are giving their teams a boost and giving their quarterbacks a boost by doing more with it once they catch it, that's yet another category where Michael Thomas dominated. 588 yards after the catch, that led all wide receivers last season, making him one of the most efficient guys in that category. Really effective. That, for me, was probably actually the biggest surprise because we know he's a great route runner. I've never seen him, as at least kind of in my head and my perspective of him, never saw him as a great yards after the catch guy. And again, that's really impressive. Um, it's not just enough to catch the ball. When you've got a number one cornerback on you, you've got linebackers around you, safeties over top of you, how are you going to get those extra yards when you are so surrounded by defensive talent and defensive attention? Again, phenomenal. Of course, he led all wide receivers with 92 first downs. The next best guy had just 76. That, again, was Julio Jones. It's a crazy gap. And then finally, his 2.88 yards per route run was first among all NFL wide receivers. And ultimately, last year was an insanely good year, but it wasn't just a fluke. We have seen this coming for a while now. He has played four years in the NFL, and in four straight years, he has had increasing targets, yards, catches, uh, and average yards after the catch. He has just been 
more productive as time goes on. And of course, he's only played four years in the NFL. That still makes him a pretty darn young wide receiver. So again, this is an obvious pick, Michael Thomas is, but I do want to remind you, I think you can fully expect him to finish as the number one wide receiver again. And should he manage to not do that, there's no way in heck barring an injury to either him or Breeze, will he somehow ever manage to finish outside of the top five? He is an elite, dominant wide receiver, and if he continues like he did last year, he will be a historic wide receiver and easily in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but hopefully that made sense, guys. We'll move on and talk about some probably a little bit more interesting picks. So I think the next guy we have to talk about is Kenny Galladay. Uh, every offseason, what I love to do is take a look at the guys who have taken that next step up to kind of the next tier, the next echelon, the next talent level or whatever. The guys who've progressed, not just a little bit, not even just noticeably, but significantly. Uh, and he's one of the guys on that list, one of the guys who last year really impressed me. And he is on his way to becoming one of the next elite receivers. And I fully believe that. Some of the right things have to fall in place, right? If he starts to struggle with injuries, that'll hurt him. If his quarterback situation starts to really suck, that'll hurt him. You know, there are definitely things that could derail him. But if things continue at the pace that he is on, Kenny Galladay, in my mind, is going to be one of the next just hands down studs of the NFL. When you look at the stats, they really prove it. So that's what I'm going to do here. I've got, of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, you see I'm looking at a lot of notes on my phone. But um, here's some of the things that I wrote down as I was researching on him. First of all, he will be 26 years old when the season starts. And he has played just three years in the NFL. That is phenomenal. Now, we're going to talk about some more of his stats. But the first thing I want to say is you should know um, that it's kind of common knowledge around the NFL that it takes the first three years for a wide receiver to show you how good he is going to be. There is definitely a developmental curve in the NFL, and that's typically about how long it is for a wide receiver. So there's his first three years. Now we're heading into his fourth year. Now I think we're really going to see who he is for sure. I think we started to see that last year, except he was held back by one thing, and that was the fact that Matthew Stafford only played 10 games, and that is big news. What's crazy to me is that he led all wide receivers with 11 receiving touchdowns, better than any other wide receiver, like I just said, and again, his quarterback only played 10 games. Had Stafford played the full 16, definitely beginning to wonder you know, how much better he could have done. Maybe he would hit 12 or 13 touchdowns, but who knows? And for those of you guys who think that maybe Stafford leaving wasn't that big of a deal, it absolutely was. Stafford was on pace for 36 passing touchdowns, which would have tied Lamar Jackson for the most passing touchdowns last year. So yeah, that's a pretty big deal. In half of Stafford's games, he threw either three or four touchdown passes in half of his games. I mean, he is just an absolute gunslinger. Um, so I'm, you may not be the biggest fan of Matthew Stafford. You may be a Lions fan wanting a new quarterback. Great. Go out and get a new quarterback. I can totally understand that desire. Um, the desire to rebuild and get new players and stuff. But there's no arguing, at least from a fantasy perspective, Matthew Stafford helps his wide receivers produce big numbers. We've seen it with Calvin Johnson. Marvin Jones was even pretty good last year. I mean, uh, wide receivers catching the ball from Stafford, they put up numbers. And of course, that's really great. That right there for me is a big point. Now, I would love to watch this year and see when Stafford plays a full 16 games, what Kenny Galladay is going to look like, again, as he continues his progression into the NFL, because he is still very young. Again, will be 26 years at the start of the season. I think his birthday might be in the middle of the year, but he's still pretty young. Uh, you get the point. 
And of course, he had four games with over 115 receiving yards with Stafford. Four of Stafford's 10 games, he went over 115 receiving yards. Uh, but he did just a once without Stafford. And the, the quarterbacks that came in to replace Stafford, I believe, were on pace for like 20 touchdowns, like just nowhere near as good as Stafford did. So believe me when I tell you, the quarterback situation is going to matter. But I'm going to quit obsessing over uh, the quarterback situation of Matthew Stafford right now. Let's look at over some other numbers. Who is Kenny Galladay on his own? What did we see from last year? Now, the first thing I want to talk about is the one negative that I have found with him. The one negative is that he has a low catch percentage. Last year, I believe excuse me, I believe his career average is just 59% catch percentage. That is slightly low. And for an elite receiver, that is um, that is difficult. I, for me, I have a hard time looking at a wide receiver saying he's going to be in the top six, but have a low catch percentage. But I think there are some ways that we can understand why his number's lower than it would be if he was a different type of receiver, because he's a very specific receiver, especially the way the Lions use him. They love him to run deep explosive routes he runs a lot of fly routes and post routes and flag routes and whatever they love to send it deep um especially with kenny galladay and so that's going to be really important to know when you run deep routes you hit a lot of home runs you make nice big catches 60 yard plays it's exciting it's fun but your catch percentage is going to drop you can't keep a catch percentage as high as say michael thomas's 82.8 percent when you're running 25 yards down the field, the further you have to throw it, the lower the catch percentage is going to be. So keep that in mind. And of course, like I said, he is a deep ball guy. He led all wide receivers with at least 50 catches um, with a 16.19 average yards down the field when targeted. So his A dot average depth of target led all receivers with at least 50 catches, basically 16 yards down the field, almost or on average almost every time that he's getting the ball that's that's really crazy that is way higher than i'm seeing among other receivers who have high targets you do see it from guys under 50 catches in a year you see it from a lot of those sort of guys and the reason i decided to cut them out is they're not really a fair comparison those guys that make some big plays but really what happens is um maybe one of your wide receivers needs you know gets a little winded needs a break or maybe he you know his shoe comes loose. I've seen this happen a few times. It happens a couple times a year. A wide receiver's like shoe comes off and they just need to send in a backup for a play. And a lot of times that happens. You just get the rookie kick returner who's a fast guy and you just tell him to run a fly route. There are plenty of those fly route receivers. You know who I'm talking about if you follow a lot of football, and a lot of fantasy. Um, but they're never going to produce to play at the level that Kenny Galladay does, especially from a fantasy perspective. Um, so I did kind of want to cut that out and measure only the guys who have a, at least a fair amount of volume. But it continues again among receivers with at least 50 catches he was fourth in average yards per target averaging over 10 yards per target he was second in average yards per catch averaging 18.3 yards per catch and he was second in fantasy points per touch with 3.85 fantasy points per touch that for me is really huge. If the volume is there, he is going to absolutely produce numbers. He has a knack for finding the end zone. He is a deep ball, big playmaker with a good quarterback. And he is, for me, the clear cut number one receiver on that team who has huge potential. He is still developing into the best receiver, or excuse me, into the best receiver that he is going to be. We have not seen peak Kenny Galladay yet, and I really believe that. If you don't believe me, just take a look at Chris Carter. Chris Carter, it took him until he was 27 years old to have his first 1,000 yard receiving season um so yeah i think that definitely supports the point um let's not talk about this too much longer i feel like i've been really dragging on with this but you get the point guys i love kenny galladay and i do believe he is a must-own wide out 
Okay, so this next pick, maybe not the most interesting, maybe not the most surprising, but definitely got to talk about Devontae Adams as another must-own wide receiver. I mean, the fact of the matter is he is must-own. I'm not in this video to surprise anybody. I'm not talking about these players because they're the most interesting. The fact of the matter is if you want to know the receivers you need to own, Devontae Adams has got to be on the list for sure. Um, first of all, he's a phenomenal wide receiver. He's been absolutely great. And though he was held back by injury a little bit last season, he's been awesome. Last year was the first year since I think 2015 or the year before where he didn't go over a thousand yards. And the only reason he didn't do it was he missed a bunch of games. In fact, in 12 games, he was pretty darn close. I think he had over 900 yards. He was fantastic. Um, for me, there's no arguing his talent, though we'll look at some stats to support that he is very talented, but it's the system that he's in as a whole that helps boost his value into that elite level. Of course, having Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback means a lot. For you guys who, for those of you guys who don't know, Rodgers has the highest career passer rating out of any quarterback in the NFL ever. His pass rating of 102.4 is clear-cut, hands down the best. The next best guy is Russell Wilson. Um, but yeah, that really benefits when you're a wide receiver. You're trying to put up fancy numbers. Having a good quarterback means a lot, and there's no arguing it. Aaron Rodgers is not just a good quarterback, not above average. He's a great quarterback um, even now. Even now that he's not putting up quite the same fantasy numbers as Rodgers used to, he's still a great quarterback, and there's no arguing. And of course, that's going to help Devontae Adams. Um, Adams finished just 23rd among wide receivers in fantasy points last year, but again, he played just 12 games. Had he played a full 16 games, he would have finished, or at least was on pace to finish, 5th amongst wide receivers in fantasy points, which of course lines up perfectly with the fact that he finished with the 5th average fantasy points per snap. He finished with 0.31 fantasy points per snap really high number, really productive. Basically every time um, he is out there on the field and the ball is snapped, he's getting a third of a point for you. So that's uh, it's pretty darn productive. And of course, why is that? That's what I want to talk about because there's a lot of things and I'm going to talk about a little philosophy in a second, but how does a guy keep up that high of you know fantasy numbers or efficiency, fantasy efficiency is I guess what I'm going to call it, but ultimately one of the biggest ways that he does it is through red zone usage. He is very highly used in the red zone. He had 30 red zone targets last year. Had he played 16 games, he was easily on pace to lead all wide receivers in red zone targets. I believe the best was Julian Edelman with 39. He would have beaten that number for sure. And then the same goes for end zone targets. I believe that's within the five or even inside the touchdown. But he had 17. He probably would have had the most had he played 16 games. And that's really going to be one of the things that boosts him. Not only is he the number one wideout, he's catching the ball from a great, uh, great quarterback, but he's getting used efficiently. He's getting getting used in the red zone and you guys know the saying touchdown touchdowns are king um, but a few more things I want to talk about one of the things that I like is he is hands down the number one wide receiver on that team there is not a single wide receiver that can even compete at all and that is a phenomenon that I've been noticing among wide receivers who are elite over the last few years look backwards don't look forwards don't look anywhere <laughs> just look back over the last few years the most elite wide receivers DeAndre Hopkins Devontae Adams Michael Thomas those guys who have been just phenomenal studs clear-cut number one clear elite wide receivers those guys think about it, they really haven't had a solid number two because when you lack a solid number two you can get a huge boost in volume 
Now, for most wide receivers in the NFL, I do like there to be a good wide receiver too, or at least a fair wide receiver too. It takes a little attention away from the defenses, keeps them honest. It means you can't cheat or double team too much. It really helps take attention away from wide receivers. But when you're truly elite, when you are seriously one of the best, when you're in that top three category, doesn't matter and what you really want is the volume and so he's one of those rare guys who he just says screw it I don't care how much attention you give me it doesn't matter I'm going to make the plays I need to make I'm going to get the volume and of course that's going to make a big difference but the last thing I want to talk about with Devontae Adams is that injury he did come back from that injury and play in the playoffs play towards the end of the season he looked great he looked phenomenal in fact he had that huge game where uh, I think he had nine catches off 11 targets for 138 yards and then uh, sort of unfortunate loss to the 49ers. But his playoff postseason last year was great as a whole. He had 298 receiving yards and two touchdowns um, while having just he had a massive target share, which again goes back to what we just talked about. But he had a great playoff showing us that while he missed some time, it clearly was an issue for him. He is unbelievably talented, clear-cut number one wideout on that team. And for me, a clear-cut number one fantasy wide receiver uh, but let's talk about our next guy so the last two guys we're going to talk about I really like and I really like them because they remind me of two wide receivers by the name of Julio Jones and AJ Green now back when I've, I mean I've always loved football I've always loved watching football enjoyed fantasy playing football I've been football my whole life um, but there was definitely a point when it turned from something that I really enjoy to wanting to do fantasy rankings and make a website and post videos I wanted to start winning all my fantasy leagues right when it turned into what I guess my friends and family would call an unhealthy obsession um, <laughs> uh, but you know there's a real turning point around when Julio Jones and AJ Green came into the league where it just kind of stepped into this next level of something that I love to do and you know what? Those guys have always loved them because of it, because they were so great from the beginning. I love rookie wide receivers, receivers who can come into the NFL right off the bat and perform. These next two guys have done that. That's DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. So let's talk about AJ Brown real quick, and then we'll get to Metcalf, and those will be our last two guys for the video. All right, so like I said, we're going to start off with A.J. Brown. There's a lot of reasons to like A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown had a phenomenal rookie season. He really impressed me. Um, one of the reasons he had such a good rookie season was he's got great size for a wideout. At six foot, six foot tall, 226 pounds, that's a great build, and he used that build uh, to his advantage. He's a very physical wide receiver. I mean, a very physical wide receiver, and it's fun to watch, especially just turn on the highlights and see what he does after the catch um, is really great. And that's where you can separate the good wide receivers from the really great wide receivers and the guys who are going to get the extra volume are those guys who are helping their teams out and their quarterbacks out by doing things after they've caught the ball. They're not just catching the ball and going down there and making plays. And A.J. Brown just stud elite in that category, I would say. In fact, he led all qualifying wide receivers with 8.9 average yards after the catch. The next best guy was just 6.7 average yards after the catch. So pretty head and shoulders clear-cut number one in that category and that's a category that for me has been increasingly important that I really like to turn to to measure a talent of a wide receiver but of course there's more to it than that he totaled 1057 receiving yards as a rookie uh, which led all receivers excuse me all rookie receivers last season um, and that's really impressive for a rookie at all to go over a thousand yards um, but especially for him to do that having played with Marcus Mariota for like four or five games I think of course 
that makes a big difference. That makes a really big difference to see. Um, you know, he's going to have Ryan Tannehill for a whole season. If he can go over a thousand yards when he didn't have Tannehill every game, now you get the insanely talented Tannehill, who, by the way, did a phenomenal season. We'll talk about that um, in a second. But that's going to be a huge upgrade. That's going to have him have kind of more consistency, more production in the early end of the season. But um, Tannehill, by the way, had a pass rating of 117 last year. That was fourth on the all-time single-season highest passer rating list. He's up there with Peyton Manning and that crazy year Nick Foles had. So, yeah, that was a really efficient year for Ryan Tannehill and for that offense as a whole. One of the things to note is I believe Week 10 onward, no offense averaged more yards per play than the Titans. So, again, not a team that we really remember most years seeing them as a real offensive juggernaut, but they very well could be, and one of those big pieces is going to be A.J. Brown. He's also third in pro football focuses yards per route. He averaged 2.6 yards per route. That is, of course, amongst wide receivers with at least 50 targets, and he turned that into huge production. He averaged 20.2 yards per catch last year. That was second in the NFL. He also had eight touchdowns in the receiving game, and he had one rushing touchdown. He was really phenomenal, but the stats, I feel like they just go on and on and on um, when we look at it remember when we talked about Kenny Galladay earlier Galladay finished second in yards per catch and uh, second in fantasy points per touch uh, the guy who beat him in those stats yeah that was AJ Brown so AJ Brown just really dominant one of those guys I love huge potential um, the only thing for me right now that I have trouble deciding is do I like A.J. Brown more or do I like D.K. Metcalf? So what I'm going to do now is we're going to switch over and talk a little bit about D.K. Metcalf. And then I want you guys to leave a comment and tell me which wide receiver you like more and which wide receiver you like more in fantasy. Because I definitely think there is a difference. So now we got DK Metcalf, and there's a lot to look at here, again, as we kind of compare these guys to. I don't want this necessarily to become a comparison between Brown and Metcalf, because ultimately these guys are studs, and I'll take either one of them. But um, when we look at it, the first thing I like about him is his quarterback. Russell Wilson is a elite quarterback. He's a stud quarterback, probably going to be in the Hall of Fame. Wilson has the second highest passer rating all time. His passer rating of 101.2 is second only to the guy we mentioned earlier, Aaron Rodgers. It's also second highest passer rating over just the last five years, second only to Drew Brees. And over the last two years, he has the second highest passer rating to Pat Mahomes. So when you really break down uh, year after year after year, you begin to see he is like always right up there, right behind that number one guy. And when you're up there with Rodgers, when you're up there with Brees and Pat Mahomes, of course, you know that's really really good production um but what i like is not just necessarily his quarterback is that system in that offense as a whole i love tyler lockett being the wide receiver across from dk metcalf um i think having an elite fantasy wide receiver it's very important that you also have another wide receiver on the team who can stretch the field but isn't going to take up too much targets and that's really exactly what tyler lockett is and has always been and will always be he's a very efficient wide receiver he can make some big plays and he's going to keep defenses honest but he is not going to rack up 120 targets and limit what dk metcalf can do in fact the better lockett plays i think the better Metcalf will play and so that's really going to benefit him quite a bit and ultimately he is in one of the best situations to be in right now in the NFL um, so if you're a wide receiver like playing for Seattle as their number one guy like that is absolutely where I would want to be and of course he took advantage of it. He had a phenomenal year. He got better as the year went on. In fact, he set the record for most receiving yards by a rookie in a playoff game in the wild card game versus the Eagles, which in offense, 
which by the way, for the Seahawks who scored 17 points, that game was a really unimpressive game for Metcalf to go out and score um, 100 or have, excuse me, not score, but have 160 receiving yards and really essentially carry that offense and make the big plays that they needed him to make. That is a huge testament. But ultimately, it wasn't just that game. It was the second half of that season as a whole. When you look at the first half compared to the second half, he got better and better. He had more targets. He had more yards. He was just more productive and he looked really great. Um, DK Metcalf is phenomenal. I could sit here probably for a very long time and break down the numbers, but ultimately, if you've seen pictures of him, you know how physical and how talented he is. If you've seen some of his games and some of his plays, he has got great hands. He's very much like AJ Brown. He's very physical, very physically gifted. Um, and he's got a great situation. I don't think there's, I don't think we need to break down too many numbers or get too obsessed with any stats. I think it's pretty cut and clear that he was good. And then for me, again, he had even more progression. AJ Brown got better as the year went on, but a lot of that is attributed to getting a better quarterback. Am I right? Um, but even more important than that for, for Metcalf was Metcalf himself got better as the year went on. That looked very clear that he became a better route runner. His hands got better. He is definitely adjusting to being an NFL wide receiver for sure. And that's the important thing to remember with both of these guys is that what did I say earlier about Kenny Galladay? It usually takes the first three years in the NFL for us to finally begin to see who this wide receiver is, how talented he can be, how good he is going to be in the NFL, what we're really going to get from him. So we got a lot of time to watch these guys improve. And I'm going to go on a limb here and say I think both of these guys are absolutely going to step up and have better seasons heading into this fantasy year. And that's why, for me, they're must-own. Um, this is a vague video. I never mentioned if this was Dynasty Keeper League or if this is Redraft League or whatever. Ultimately, I like them in Redraft Leagues, but I really love them in Dynasty Keeper Leagues. Uh, so I do want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. I don't want to get too caught up or drag this video on any longer. I'm actually really tired. I have been working a lot lately but still want to get these videos out to you guys so i hope you do appreciate this you guys are the best and as always you have a great day